And given the fact today, if you followed the ongoing political and social unrest within this country, well, take a deeper look. What happened in Sudan absolutely sent alarming message to the international community. Given the fact today that gunfighting erupted between the two factions of the Sudanese military, and there the Sudanese army and also the other, the other one called Rapid Support Forces. Given the fact today, how could we understand that the nation is being divided by two existing military groups? And meanwhile, they both claim the sovereignty and also the power under designated leadership. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our speaker, which is Scott Morgan. Scott has been the president of Red Eagle Enterprises since its inception in November 2012. He uses his experience from serving the U.S. military to address various projects. Now he's based in Washington, D.C., and also he's one of the amazing and talented writer for MilitantWire.com. He writes extensively regarding the countries in Africa and also the political changes and the social unrest across the world. Scott, and welcome back to The Missing Piece. Thank you, Will, for having me today. As we mentioned before, what happened in the nation of Sudan supposed to be very surprising, but I think based on your expertise, it's not surprising at all. Now help us to understand what are the major differences between the army and what we called RSF also, which is the full name is Rapid Support Forces. What exactly happened on April the 15th this year? Well, actually, April the, the events on April the 15th are the culmination of a series of events that began with the ouster of former President Omar al-Bashir. Mm. As you know, he, Bashir indicted war criminal for actions in Darfur, which play a key role in this, because that, as I explained, how the RSF was formed, was removed by one of removed by a military junta, which started the process to transform into what would be like, quote-unquote, a Western-style democracy, mm. which de under Abdullah Hamdok, which would in turn, that government would be overthrown by a coup led by the two protagonists in the events on this past Saturday, you know, Hamedi, and General Barhan, the head of the Sunnis army. Mm. So they actually, a deal was broke, deal was brokered late last year where elections would be held this year. And that April 1st, the military would transfer power to a civilian blood transition government to prepare for the elections. That was supposed to happen on April 1st. Mm. That did not happen. It was, the deadline was then pushed back to April 6th. That deadline came and went. No action taken. 72 hours before the fighting broke out, we saw RSF units begin to deploy to Khartoum, to Al-Fashir, to Port Sudan, and other key cities. And that's when, and from that point on, it was not a matter of if the Army and the RSF would shoot each other at each other. But when? Mm. 
Then the fighting broke out on Saturday, where latest reports, the conservative estimates have over 100 dead and 1,000 wounded. Fighting shows no sign of abating anytime soon. Well, but Scott, I want to get a, a little bit deeper regarding the two groups. Again, as we mentioned before, one is called the Sudanese Army, and also the other one is called Rapid Support Forces. Now, let's go to the first one, the Sudanese Army. How powerful is the army today? And also, meanwhile, hypothetically speaking, if the Rapid Support Forces were to be defeated, and what does that mean for the whole country? Or what does even mean for the whole Sudanese army at this moment? Good question. Um, one thing that everybody has to remember regarding Sudanese politics is that for the most part, since the country became independent, the Sudanese army has had a role in governance as well, besides defending the country. Hmm. People forget how it was the Sudanese army, orchestrated by Bashir, ousted former President Namari back in the late eight, back in 1987. You know, the army, you know, army has been firmly interested in power. You know, the current leader is General Burhan, you know. Generally, when you think of a state-standing army, you think of a more professional force. Contrast that to the RSF, which is a coalition of tribal-based militias that were based in Darfur. You know, some of these militias you know, are accused of, you know, of actually being the, the hands behind the genocide in Darfur that took place several years ago. And... The Janjaweed never left and they have reformed, you know. And the RSF have, have had a very checkered history now. Mm. Their forces have been deployed in eastern Libya to help General Hafter in that civil war against the UN and Turkish backed government in Tripoli. The RSF has supposedly had and been supporting Wagner's efforts in the Central African Republic. And so that in and the leader of the RSF Hamedi was the one that was pushing for a the Russians to build a naval base. Hmm. But another th another country you also have to watch out for is another country which has an interesting political transition right now. That is Chad. Hmm. Some of the senior leaders of the RSF have intermarried into Chadian families, and so that so. The dynamic is playing out in Sudan right now. Not only does should that make the Central African Republic nervous, it should make it's making uh, Chad nervous as well because of the relationships. Mm. And as we that one of the major supporters of the Sudanese armies actually Egypt, while some of the Gulf states as well are playing both sides. They supported Hamdok, but they are in the transition government, and they also have used RSF units in the Saudi-led proxy war in Yemen. Basically, this crisis in Sudan currently right now is like peeling the layers back from an onion. It's like the more that gets exposed, the more you find. Scott, I want to ask the question, given the fact today, when we look at some of the countries are being governed by the military power, again, we name it 
significantly speaking more countries in the Middle East and some countries in Southeast Asia. But in reality, we have to say, well, there's no denying that any country is being governed or ruled by the military power always, I want to be careful, always leads to some sort of political unrest or what we said, government uh, shape up. Now, help us to understand, despite the fact that this country of Sudan is being ruled by two designate military powerful leaders, how does that influence the stability of the society? So in other words, how do we know that either side of the winner is going to bring stability, politically speaking, and also economically speaking, to the people in Sudan today? What do you say to that? Actually, the best, even right now, even though you see these two generals having a pissing match, you have everybody under the sun urging restraint and return to dialogue because under the accord in December, Sudan is supposed to have political elections this year. And one of the key underlying factors in this, in this crisis is that units of the RSF are supposed to be integrated into the Sudanese armed forces. Mm. And that is where the, that is where the problem is. You had two huge egos, both of them, both realize that one of them can only be in power in, you know, whether it's Berhan, head of the military, or Hamedi, if he takes over, if he wins and becomes the head of the army. But, you know, it, this is just what, this is a case of where someone, people become, when leaders become entrenched, they fear anything they cannot control. Mm. And both, you know, both of these men realize the civilian government they probably cannot be able to control. Mm. So, and, and this is, and the best way to actually to describe this, and I've heard it used several times over the weekend, and I actually used that line in one of the items I wrote, is that, you know, when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Mm. Like, you now the grass, that the grass is assuming these people because, you know, and, and the art, and we, we do not know what. I mean, the future is looking, you know, has gone back to being murky. So people, it's almost a sense of, it's a sense of deja vu. Here we go again. You know, some people are resistant to change unless they can have it on their terms, mm. and, which is what we're seeing. Scott, I want to bring the concept of democracy into our conversation again. If I remember correctly, formal U.S. ambassador to the United Nation, which is uh, Jean Kirkpatrick. And she said once, and I, I may paraphrase it, when we talk about the stability, especially the political stability around the world, it's better to leave the fate to the citizens within the own country. Now, coming back to the issue of Sudan and also related to the issue of democracy, do you think that today the people in Sudan still have the power, still have the engine to declare democracy or to to um, hope for democracy today? Or is it going to be continuous suffering, continuing struggle or continuous 
paying in this country. How should we understand the word democracy today in this scenario? That's a good question because actually one of the best ways is that democracy has to has to be rooted and come from the ground up. Mm. It cannot be forced upon other people. Case in point, mistakes made by the United States in both Iraq and Afghanistan. What we're seeing right now, the people are actually going to suffer. Are going to suffer because, as you know, there are supposed to be deadlines met to further this transition along, and sometimes the transitions are met. Mm. As in, the de- although the deadlines that were supposed to be met and met earlier this month have been missed not once but twice were upon and, and you know it wasn't the case of the perfection like preparing for elections like that that would that caused this crisis this crisis was actually caused by a failure to meet a deadline to begin the reintegration of the rsf into the army so mm. and then, you know basically this is not a civilian cause crisis it's not about democracy per se as i saw alec only told a friend of mine the other day this is just two generals having a pissing match right now Mm. Mm. to put it bluntly and simply so maybe the state department can understand it scott i want to bring the u.s into our conversation today as soon as the event took place Current Secretary of the State, Anthony Blinkens, was questioned or interviewed regarding what happened in Sudan. Now, again, based on the current statement, Anthony Blinken believed that the fragile of democracy is one of the critical issues in Sudan. And also, I want to ask you, what is the role of the U.S. government today when we're seeing, when we are seeing what's happening in this country? Is it a reminder for us to pay attention to our own fragility of the democracy? Or is it also a strong message to the international community what do you say to that? First, when he used the word fragility, I could not think of a more perfect adjective to describe it. Mm. But he also went back, he also described it, so said that it's also there are forces working against it. We, You can actually, oh, if you use that, and going further in that context, he's perfectly describing the access of the generals. Um, as you know, uh, the 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 U.S. was part of a group of countries, you know, that engaged in both Sudan and South Sudan. Mm. You know, we, you know, had to avoid, you know, it was called the Troika, where the U.S. was working in concert with Great Britain and Norway. Mm. And so we saw, so now we're seeing very, so now we're seeing various countries, you know, concerned about the, about the situation. You know, a lot of people telling their, Including United States talent or people, uh, you know, the shelter in place. And the U.S. ambassador to, to Sudan gave a great interview to Newsweek. How he was talking, describing how he was actually wake, woken up Saturday morning with the shots of gunfire. That's that's how he woke up. Everybody's talking about, you know, there should be calls for dialogue. Uh, I get supposed to be sending a mission there. Uh, you know, the Arab League, you know, they're supposed to decide whether or not they're going to send a mission there. Um, 
Will we see a U.S. envoy to? It doesn't. Don't exactly know when. Um, if we do, the most likely person I would expect to see it do it would probably be either Senator Coon. Was Senator Coons of Delaware, who has, who is an exceptional leader in the U.S. regarding African issues. Another person that could go would be could be Don Don Payne, Congressman from New Jersey. Mm. But then we'll. What is the message? You know, you know, the end game is actually having the elections that are supposed to have happen this year. If they actually do that, people will take it as a sign that democracy is working. Hmm. Uh, people often forget that democracy is often a messy exercise preparing for elections. I was look just look at the U.S. with the U.S. I mean, as you said, look at U.S. history; it's imperfect. You know, we've had controversial elections in the past ourselves. So. Mm. Because I've actually told, when talking specifically about African policy, I have often told people that the calculus for U.S. policy in Africa and other parts of the world has been the U.S. often prefers efficient dictatorships over unreliable democracies. So if you look at, if you use that context, U.S. would have interests. We want to see a transition, transition to civilian rule. Don't get me wrong, but the action, but you know, the role of the transitional council, you know, preparing ways to turn over to the, you know, to the to a civilian authorities to prepare for elections. You know, it is an interesting challenge. Hmm. Scott, I want to, I want to wrap up our conversation by. Going to one uh, uh, again, another official is the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Defense, and this is what she said, and I quote during the interview, and she said, "I don't see the Sudan conflict coming to an end." So I want to ask you, if she were right, what would be the hope for the country? So in other words, we know that as you mentioned before, when two elephants fights. And the grass was supposed to be the victims, or the grass is supposed to be the innocent sacrifice. So, what is the hope for the country if the conflict does not come to the end? Well, in a way, that she's right, because we've already seen right now that the transitional government under Burhan has declared an RS has declared the RSF a rebellious group. So. It's one of those cases, it's a no-brainer decision, but we have to ask ourselves, in the long run, does this help matters? Mm. It's possible it can make it can make potential foreign uh, mediation possible. But I don't but it's just, you know, just like as a in South Sudan, for example, you know. Another country that could benefit from new leaders, you know. Mm. And, and if you notice the press conference by former Prime Minister Hamdak the other day in Abu Dhabi, how pessimistic he was about the future for Sudan. That's one of the best cases for my argument. You know, the country needs new leaders. But as I stated earlier, sometimes democracy is a messy process. Well, that's right, Scott. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think 
today, democracy, even though it's messy or it's a messy process, but let's not forget that democracy can bring winners out of the chaos and also democracy can bring peace out of the storm. Well, again, we hope and I pray that people in Sudan today are going to come out better, stronger, and despite this political and social turmoil. Well, again, Scott has been... Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Will, because at this people have to, another thing is right now, we are, we are actually talking about how the, the Sunnis people are suffering, the Sunnis people want democracy. Mm. But right now in this conflict, the Sunnis people do not really have a voice unless they have family members in the military, the RSF. Right now, they're caught in the middle. That's right. And they don't win. And that's a quick, that's a point that a lot of the pundits are missing. It's like, this is not between, we're not seeing political factions fighting. This is factions within the armed forces that are fighting. That's right. And again, that's why I will say continue to pray for the country and also pray for the people in Sudan. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Morgan has been the president of Red Eagle Enterprises since its inception in November 2012. And he uses his experience from serving in the U.S. military to address various projects. And he's currently based in Washington, D.C. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your insights and thank you so much for your deeper analysis and let's keep on praying for the country and we'd love to have you as we continue to follow the progress within the country of Sudan. So thank you so much for doing this.